And now it's time for Sketch Comedy 101. Hi, I'm Ron Algar-Watt, writer, creator, editor, producer, director, and co-host of the Sarcastic Voyage podcast. Have you ever wondered how a show like ours can paint such vivid pictures in your mind? Today's Sketch Comedy 101 lesson covers the surprisingly easy answer, sound effects. No, I didn't just perform some kind of a magic spell there. There's no such thing as magic. Stay focused. It also wasn't Michael Winslow, star of the popular film Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. What you heard was an expert blending of several pre-recorded noises to create what I like to call a wall of sound. I didn't invent this term, but the guy who did is in jail, I think, or maybe he's dead. Anyway, I stole it. Let's hear that again. Now, you may hear that and think, I'm in a Civil War battlefield with several Panthers, a Nissan Versa, and three women who are laughing. I've evoked a pretty common mental image there, and I did it through the magic of sound effects. But Ron Algar-Watt, you're saying, there's no such thing as magic. Shut up. You write, create, edit, produce, direct, and co-host your own show if you think you're so smart. Well, it looks like the show's about to start. Remember everything I taught you, and you can build a believable world in the aural realm, just like we do here every week, uh, every two, every three weeks, right here on the Sarcastic Voyage Podcast. This is the Sarcastic Voyage Podcast, featuring the Sarcastic Voyage unpaid voice acting players. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. I'm I'm just I'm picturing like a giant hole. Yep. And a, and a very large person picking up a little Dutch boy and shoving it head first. Please don't. Into the. He's fine. Yep. He's not fine. He's drowned. No. Well, what happens when he turns into a skeleton? Well, the plug will be much smaller. That's that's a fair point. But hopefully by then they'll have figured something else out. I mean I can't imagine that was a permanent solution. I think it was. I think that kid just lived there. Really. Mm-hmm. They just built a house around him against the dam? Oh, they didn't build a house around him. Oh, so he was homeless. It's not like they maintained him or anything. They just left him at the wall. Well, then he would have starved to death and turned into a skeleton. All you really need is a Dutch boy, yeah. uh, some Dutch military guys with with rifles, and a little aren't, bit of bread and water, and you're fixed. Aren't the aren't the Dutch um, pacifists? Or not, not pacifists, what's the other one? Nobody's a pacifist Cowards? When it com- no, nobody's a pacifist when it comes to keeping your dam up. I don't know. I, I just I like know how some... there's no atheists in the foxholes. Well, there's that's... no pacifists at the di- at the dike hole. That's because foxes are very very small. Have you tried getting into a foxhole? Uh, yeah, several times. I was it's out there tiny. last. I was out there last night. Out of out of spite. Yeah, fuck that look. fox. Yeah, no. See, I'm I'm in there out of spite. Just like, look, I'm an atheist. Here I am. <laughs> Shut up. See. Help! There's a fox gnawing on me. Right. Maybe God will help. What you don't see a lot of is foxes in atheist holes. That's true. Well, Why I mean, if you keep your atheist sure. hole clean, that you're never going to get that problem. Well, that it's was not one hard. Of the, Just wash it twice a day. That was one of the first things my mom taught me: keep your atheist hole clean. Yep. Delicious Puffed Rice Cereal presents The Radio Adventures of Matt and Algar, starring Matt Robotham and Ron Algar-Watt as themselves. Our story so far, a large contingent of MUCUS agents have been captured and imprisoned by Rectillo the Recalcitrant, arch-nemesis of the agency and humanity itself. We join our heroes now as they prepare to be led to Rectillo's gladiatorial arena. 
And now, today's episode, Revenge of the Spurned. Algar! Algar! Wake up! <coughs> Jeepers, what gives? Oh, hello, Larikta. Yes, hello. Shh, don't wake the others. We have a big day of dying in your father's arena ahead of us tomorrow. What an awkwardly constructed sentence. Yeah, speaking of awkward, what are you doing here? I might ask you the same thing. After all, I live here. Touché. You look good. Did you change your hair? Silence! Boy, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Never mind my apples. You had your chance. What does that even mean? It means that I can't wait to see my father's corns tear you apart. His corns? Is he going to step on us with his gross feet? Silence! It's so hard to see why we couldn't work things out. Ow! So you just came down here to gloat? I came down here to offer you your freedom, you imbecile. Oh, good then. I like freedom. If. I knew there was going to be an if. If you're willing to give us another chance. You see that little girl over there? Not my type. Stay focused, imbecile. That's the second time you've called me that. Was that a pet name we had? Because I don't remember. Ow! Anyway... Let the girl go, and I'll do whatever you say. No dice, flyboy. This is between me and you. If you and your imbecile partner want to go dragging some civilian into this, that's not my affair. So now Matt's the imbecile? I thought we had something spe- Ow! Now, Ow. here is the choice you have. You can stay here and wait for the guards to release you into the arena where a pacifist like you might be able to hide behind his brave friends and manage to die last. Uh-huh. Or... I can release you now, and we can have a nice long discussion about our relationship. What was the first choice again? Ow! All right, all right. I can do that. Let's talk this out. Imbecile cakes. It does actually sound a little sweet when you say it. Ow, right over the shoulder. I forgot your family's physically powerful in addition to being recalcitrant. Silence! (sighs) Mr. Matt, are you awake? Oh, oh, I am now. Is it time? Not just yet. I just noticed Mr. Al is gone. Look at that. So he is. You don't think he abandoned us, do you, Mr. Matt? Oh, no, no, there's no way. He's obviously working on a cunning plan to free us all. Obviously. Sounds plausible, right? Who are you trying to convince, Mr. Matt? That is an excellent question, Dottie. Tune in again for our next exciting installment, Showdown at Trident Point. Only on the Sarcastic Voyage Podcast. Sarcastic Voyage has embarked on a modest undertaking to chronicle the entirety of human history in sketch form. Join us as we uncover the mysteries of the past in our ongoing feature, which we call History. It's not as good as it used to be. Chicago, 1871. Now, I'll be back for you two later. Hey, Kevin? Yeah? Can I ask you a personal question? If you're gonna ask me if Mrs. O'Leary just put a rubber band on me in an unseemly place, the answer is yes. So it's not just me, then. What's that all about? 
Let's just say that I hope you're not too attached to singing bass. I'm a cow, I don't sing. I always forget how much trouble you have with these metaphors. She's gonna chop our testicles off! What? Why? I need those! I think! I hear you, buddy. And I've been thinking about how we might get ourselves a little payback. Oh? Yeah. You see the lantern over there? Yeah. I had this thought that maybe uh, one of us could kick it over. Lights go out, the O'Leary broad can't see what she's doing. Maybe we even escape in the process. Escape? But where would we go? Have you ever seen the world outside this barn? There's a huge city outside. A great wooden city that the humans call Chicago. Surely there's some place we can run to for safety. It won't be easy to run with this thing on my... Go on, say it. You may not have them for much longer. On my testicles? Much less kick over that lantern. Well, maybe we could do it together. A coordinated effort. Yeah, what the hell? Let's do this. YOLO, right? Don't ever say that again. Alright. Okay, now. You get a... Yeah, there you go. Okay. Good. Ready. Alright. One. Two. Three! Uh-oh. Wow, that fire's spreading fast. Well done? Please don't say well done when we're this close to an open flame. What's going on in- Oh my goodness! Now, while well, she's distracted, let's get out of here. Right! Okay. Okay. I, I think we're okay. Slow down. I'll just turn my neck and look behind- Gah! What are you- Oh, Jesus! Did we do that? Well, okay. Technically, technically, they did it by building their entire city out of wood, but... Yes, I have a weird feeling that uh, we might get blamed for this. Oh, God! No, no, this is good. We've sent a message. They come at you with a knife, you come at them with a burning down their city. Yeah, that's the Chicago cow way! You know, we're not actually cows, right? Well, sure, but who's going to take the Chicago bull seriously? Welcome, traveler. May I interest you in a sextant today? No, thank you, my good man. My wife prefers the bed. <clears throat> Do you know where gentlemen such as myself might procure an astrolabe? Indeed, sir. In this very shop, and many others scattered amongst the marketplace. But, a word of warning about Instrumark down the way. Those bastards will try to duck it and doubloon you the moment you walk through the portal. And now it's time for Sketch Comedy 101. Let's talk about voice acting. Say you've written an incredible script, just like I do five and six times per show right here on Sarcastic Voyage. Now you have to bring it to the people as a fully polished sketch with different voices representing each character. In our example here, let's use young Jason. Hi, Al. Jason is a voice actor from the Latin vox actorum, meaning a face for radio. Jason just said hi because I wrote that in a script. All the voice actors on our show have to do whatever I say because I'm the head writer and also the director. Now you stay here while I find a good example script for this lesson. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, sarcastic voyage unpaid voice acting players isn't a joke. He really treats volunteers like this. Did you say something? Yeah. I was just wondering, couldn't you just do all the voices yourself? Like Eddie Murphy in the hit movie Norbit? Excellent question. Yes, I could. Sometimes I'm not entirely sure why I don't do it that way, to be honest with you. Modesty, I suppose. I'm pretty well known for my modesty. 
Anyway, Alfred Hitchcock very famously treated his on-screen talent like children, and the same basically holds true for voice actors. Here, take this script. Let's see here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, hang on. Ah, uh, here we go. Here comes the inevitable sass. Remember to stand firm when they start offering their input. Sorry, I just wanted to point out that this isn't your script. This guy who comes in and says, I want to dip my balls in it. This is a script from the state. Well, yeah, I wasn't going to waste one of my scripts in this throwaway bit. Now I want you to play party goer number three. Really? He only has one line. He offers some baba ganoush to Louie, who then expresses his desire to dip his balls in it. That's right. Well, since we're not really doing this sketch for reals, can I just play Louie? Voice actors will often try to get by you using logic. I tell you what, let's have you read for one and then for the other. The best way for any director to diffuse a situation is to tell the performer that you're willing to try it their way. This doesn't mean that you're willing to try it their way at all. It just means that you're tired of arguing you fully intend to trash whatever contrarian thing they insisted on doing in post-production. All right, let's go. Do it. <clears throat> Ahem. I've got some baba ganoush. That was good, but can you give it to me again, only funny? You can basically get away with saying any horrible thing you want to say to a voice actor if you preface it with what sounds like a compliment. I've got some baba ganoush. I really like the way you hit the baba in that sentence, but can you try not reading it like you're in a third grade play this time? Uh-huh. Uh, sure. Uh, well, I've got some, uh... You know what? That's enough. Maybe I'll get Joe... Oh! I like the way you die, boy. Is... is he dead? As Dillinger. You killed him! We're free! We're, We're free! free! Hi, I'm Ron Algar-Watt. I'm not actually dead, but sometimes you have to let them think they've won. Plus, it sounds like someone was paying attention during the lecture on sound effects. Oh god, a panther and a Nissan Versa! Welcome to Parcel Express. May I help you? Hi, I was hoping to mail this package and I need some packing material. So you're gonna buy that bubble wrap then? That's right. This stuff is great. Right. So... Sorry, if I could just get you to stop popping that for a minute. Why? It's fun and I'm buying it. It's just that it's hard to concentrate on ringing you up and you're gonna let out- What the hell? There was a live bee in there! Ah! Get it off! Get it off! Ow! It stung me! Oh god, there's another one! Ow! And there's a third one! Why does this keep happening? I did warn you, man. That's not bubble wrap, it's bumble wrap. That was a good idea! Hey there, TV viewers! I'm local pizza entrepreneur Carl Wachetsky, but you can call me Quark. All my friends do, because I'm charming and lovably strange. Also, I'm a top, but you got no right into my private life, leave me alone. Here at the Pizza Collider, we're dedicated to giving you hot, fresh, tasty pizza whenever you want it. That's why we've recently moved the restaurant outside of the space-time continuum. Now we don't have to pay attention to all those pesky laws of physics. And that means better service, better pizza, freedom from those goddamn property taxes. Just look at some of the great benefits. With no Kirchhoff circuit laws, we can afford to keep the lights on in this place indefinitely. And that means 24-hour delivery. And no thermodynamic entropy means your pizza is always hot and fresh. I would say forever, 
but that'd be redundant. Also, time has no objective meaning here. But who can argue with pizza showing up for your order, am I right? Hey, let's head on over to the Eat Suite and talk to a satisfied customer. Hey there, kid. How's that slice? It's great, Mr. Quark. So hot and fresh. And I can experience every single flavor at once since I'm not stuck in a fixed frame of reference. Great. Keep it up, kid. Oh, one little warning to parents. Watch your kids. If they wander too far into one of the corners of Pizza Collider, the molecular bonds might break down on account of there being no electronegativity no more, and they'll cease to be coherent particulate matter. Just a heads up. I mean, hey, Jimmy, what do we always say? <sighs> Curiosity killed the covalence. Exactly. So come on down to Pizza Collider for the great pizza, the great atmosphere, and the great lack of black body radiation. I'm Mr. Quark, and I'm ready for strong interaction with you. But this, the the Dutch, aren't they, um, aren't they neutral? I think they're chaotic neutral. Or is it the Swiss that I'm thinking of? Okay, the well, the, the Swiss are from Switzerland, right? I think the Swiss are from Deutschland. I thought Deutschland was just a fancy word for Germany. But then where are the Dutch from? Aren't the Dutch from Holland? Is that what it's called? Holland? <laughs> Holland! I've never heard of that place. Holland, man! <laughs> have you actually gone up so high that your voice can't, like, have we, have we found your limit there? That might be as high as my voice goes. Oh, that's unfortunate. As low as my voice goes. Oh, yeah, baby. Baby. We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire. Oh, yeah. But the, okay, really though, the Dutch are, they can't be from, that doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't the Hollandaise be from Holland? I don't think Hollandaise is a type of people. I think it's a type of seasoning. I can understand your confusion, though. It could be both. That's true. I mean, the uh, the mustard people of Mustard Six. Right. Are both. From that mustard episode. No, they're from Mustardy. Yeah. Which is a which is a town right close to Vatican City and um, what's that other uh, country that's like the size of a closet? Luxembourg. Ah, uh, sure, Luxembourg. I was going to yeah. say Latveria. Yes. No. Then we get into the whole Latveria Latvia thing, which mm. I still don't know. No. One of them is fictional. One of them is not, and I don't know which is which. Well, Doctor Doom clings to the ceiling, so. Right. Doctor Doom. I remember little. that. Doctor Doom Little. Yes. He could talk to the animals, but they don't talk back he to He talked them. to the animals and then destroyed them. Right. And then blame Richards for them talking yes. back. But Murdered really, though. A giant snail. The, the Dutch. Yeah. You're saying they're from Holland. I think so. So then where do the Netherlands fit into this? I don't know what lives in the Netherlands. I thought Beetlejuice lived in the Netherlands. <laughs> no, you're thinking of that scene where he grabs his nethers. <laughs> you know, nice fucking model. Uh-uh. And now the adventures of Nick and Willikins. Across the English countryside, beyond the glens and dales of Devon-upon-Thames and Warwick and Shropshire Ford, lies an ancient and proud manor, the ancestral home of a noble upper class of earls, dukes, and lords, known as Nick Hall. 
Here among the cobblestone streets, among the quaint shops selling mince pudding chips and packets of spotted crisps, here dwells the last male heir of the Nick line, a young lad of indeterminate age. And as our story begins, so begins a new day for young Nick, in a manner to which both he and his butler Willikins have become quite accustomed. Oi, Willikins, I'm not sleeping anymore! Uh, uh, good morning, sir. Up a bit early today, are we? What's this wee nonsense? I have just woken up. You are expected, per the airtight and unbreakable contract of class servitude that binds you to me for life, to anticipate my each and every need, which means that you, Willikins, are not permitted to sleep. I'm certain we've been over this before. Indeed, sir. There was that time you forbade me to sleep for an entire month, and I began to hallucinate. Oh, no, you don't. Nobody cares about your stupid past, Whittakins. I'm certain it's nowhere near as hilarious as that guy from Family Bloke. Of course not, sir. Now we've gotten the first degradation of the day out of the way, shall we get you dressed? Yes, let's. I shall want my finest trousers, petticoats, waistcoats, knickers, and pantaloons today. Sir, if I may, your speech seems substantially more English than normal today. Some might say painfully English. Like perhaps you're trying a bit too hard? Willikins, for as long as you've known me, have I ever, and I mean ever, tried anything at all? Touché, sir. Is that French? I shan't be having that. Being English, we despise the French, Willikins. It's one of our defining characteristics. Along with delightfully witty satire and a rigidly defined class structure, yes, sir. Right, and those things. And putting things on toast. Which reminds me, where's my breakfast? In the dining room, sir, where it always is. Well, all the way downstairs? God, that's so far! You really should just build me a dining hall here, next to me bed. Sir, couldn't I just bring the actual food to you? Wouldn't that be easier? Oh, probably. It would be probably be easier if I just got up and got my own damn food. Why, yes, sir, it would indeed. But that shan't be happening, Whittakins. If there's one thing I know about the upper classes, that's me, it's that we shan't ought to be wanting for anything. Now build me a dining hall to here in my bedchambers. <sighs> Very good, sir. And design it in a modern style. None of your neoclassicist Cambridge rubbish. You're so architecturally conservative. And so, Willikins got to work constructing a dining hall for Nick within his bedroom. A short time later... Ugh, Willikins, this is the second or third to worst breakfast you've ever made for me. My toast soldiers have gone all soggy, and we're out of bickies. It's a disaster. Willikins? Oi, Willikins! <sighs> Sir, I, I was upstairs building the dining hall you requested, and now, now you're in here. In the dining hall we already have. Well, I was hungry, wasn't I? I can't wait about for you to do whatever it is you working class people do with hammers and spanners. So I got started on my brekkie, and it's revolting. That would be, sir, because this is in fact yesterday's brekkie. You wouldn't allow me to clear it away for you at the time, citing some nonsense about parliamentary law. Nonsense? Here, Willikins, I shall not hear a word about against this Commonwealth's fine lediciary institutions. Isn't that right, good great-aunt Petunia? Indeed, young Nicholas. Oh, m uh, Miss Petunia, Mum. Dreadfully sorry I didn't see you there. Didn't see me? Cool, it's hard to miss me, isn't it? I've been in the same spot for 37 years, and I'm bloody older than Nelson's bloody column. 
Come here, you foolish butler. Uh, Mom? Closer, man. Come closer. Uh, very well. I'll just lean in here and... Ow! Oh, 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 good great opportunity. That was delightful. I always wondered why you had that scepter. Always keep a sturdy whacking instrument at your side, boy. They all need to be reminded of their place. And now, both of you, shut your gobs and listen up. I have some elderly wisdom to impart, I do. I shall endeavour to silence the tweeting kestrels round my head and give you my full attention, Mum. Say that you do. Now listen here, young Nicholas. I'm about to tell you about your bloody destiny. What, that thing? I feel like we've had this conversation before, good great Aunt Petunia. We have, a dozen times. Well, I keep telling you that you need to go to the colonies to seek your fortune, and you keep not going. It's not my fault. Willikins keeps getting distracted. Uh, yes, that's what happens. I keep trying to take us to the colonies, but oh no, Willikins goes and turns into a werewolf, or has the hall sent off to the moon or something. Wait a tick, how did we get out of that one? It's not important, sir. For once, I agree with you. Now listen here, both of you. Time is running out. If this lad doesn't get his noble arts across that bloody Atlantic Ocean before the next bank holiday, he'll be disinherited. What's one of them, then? It means she'll take away the hall, the money, and your rather vast collection of possessions. Well, even my large assortment of chapeaus? Ow! I'm not the help! Which is why I whacked you with the upper-class noggin scepter. Or I have no French spoken in this house. I was just telling Willikins that! Listen, boy, you must go to the colonies and become a man. And you must do so immediately. Go on, bugger off, there's a good lad. I shall, good great Aunt Petunia. I won't let you down. Oh, I dare say he will. I'm going to go prepare right now. Now, you listen here, you tuxedo-clad Cambridge lummox. I think we both know the real reason I want that lad to head off to the colonies. Uh, to be perfectly frank, Mum, I'm not entirely clear on the point, no. Ow! I shall put this as plainly as I can, then. That boy needs to dip his wick in. He's got to get Randy with a bed and no mistake. A, that is to say my good great-nephew Nick of Nickel, must fuck a lady. Mum, please. You listen here. It's far beyond time you became a man in the finest tradition of English gentlemen. Typically, we just round up a nice prostitute for the lad, but they're all commoners. And we can't have that kind of scandal. No, a safest bet is what an Englishman's safest bet always is. To find a piece of tail in America. Not even human over there, you know. Bloody barbarians. So it doesn't really count, you see. His reputation will be secure, and his wick... Uh, yes, Mum, his wick, as you so quaintly insist upon calling it, shall be rightly dipped. I can't say as I'm happy about this situation, but when am I ever? And when did your opinion matter anyway? And so, once again, Nick and Willikins set out for the colonies, which, as absolutely nobody has pointed out, haven't even been colonies for over 200 years. How old is good great Aunt Petunia supposed to be anyway? Willikins, why are we out and about doing things? That doesn't sound like us at all. I'll be buggered if I know, sir. We're meant to be off to the Americas, but you insisted on one final grand English feast before we departed. And so, risking the further wrath of good great Aunt Petunia and her mighty scepter, here we are, acquiring the supplies necessary to prepare your feast. Together. Presumably because you can't entertain yourself for half an hour. Uh, Willikins, if I wanted to not be entertained for half an hour, I wouldn't have been born into a life of extreme privilege. Quite right. Here, Willikins, this is where I shall stop for lunch today. A fish and chip shop, sir? 
whatever for. I have heard the call of the sea, Willikins, and I wish to eat the fish and chips what come from it, especially the sea chips. Hi, how can I help you? Oh! Are you all right? <laughs> What's wrong with your friend? I couldn't say, madam. I've never seen him this quiet for this long. Come along, sir. Willikins! What was that? What was what, sir? That delightful creature in there. I've never seen nothing like it. You mean that woman, sir? Core, is that what that is? I had, of course, heard the legends, but I never fancied I might encounter one. Indeed, sir. Now, if we may continue. Oh, heavens no, Willikins. We must speak with this woman and do something with it. Something, sir? Yes. But what? What about sex, boy? Yes! Thank you, uncultured wag on the street. That is exactly the thing. Oh, Lord, that's the last time we go shopping on the East End. That man raises an excellent question, Willikins. Why Britain's great unwashed haven't been put out to sea in a barge yet? Yes! Wait, no. What is sex, Willikins? And how can I have it with a lady? And why do I want to have it with a lady? And is there any way of stopping it? Oh, God, sir, must I be the one to explain this? Yes, Willikins, you must. Use detailed diagrams if necessary. Where on earth am I going to get detail... Never mind. How best to put this? Let's see. When two beautiful bluebirds love one another very much... You're not making any sense, Willikins. All right, let's try and start small to begin. Now, when a mother bear and a father bear are in love... What, do bears and birds have to be doing sex together? How can I phone these animals? I had the zoo and Nick Hall put out on the dole. Uh, no, sir, you had them eaten. That's what I said. And none of this is getting us any closer to solving the mystery of how women sex. It's not a mystery. It's very simple. Then explain it to me. I am. When two platypuses are in love... Why is this always about beasts? I don't live on a farm. I don't know what animals do. What's happening out here? There's a lot of yelling. <coughs> Terribly sorry, Mum. Just explaining uh, animal husbandry to my young charge here. Well, all right then. Now that's all. Thank you. Willikins, that was incredible. How did you do that? Do what? She said things to you, and you said things back to her. And that's called a conversation, sir. You're expected to have a few. But you didn't stutter or anything. Right, I've got an idea. Oh, do you? I'm sure this will go absolutely swimmingly. Here, pop this little radio in your ear. Oh, God, why do you even have that? Now, you go in there and I'll stay out here and tell you what to say in the greatest tradition of every television show ever made. Sir, wouldn't this work better if I were the one telling you what to do? Ugh, of course not, Willikins. You're so stupid. Now get in there, there's a good chap. Oh, it's you again. Decide you did want something after all. Oh, don't tell me he started. Right. Yes, of course. Hello, my name is Nick. I am famous. Oh, well, hello there, famous Nick. What can we get you? I would like to talk to you, a woman, about things. How is the weather? Where will you go today? What do you know about sex? We can sex. How dare you? Ow! Why did you say ow? What's happening in there? Oh my, is that tuppence on the floor? Ooh, delay. Hello. Hello. Packet of crisps, please. Packet of crisps, please. Here you are then, dearie. And here you are, miss. Have a lovely day. Have a lovely day. Core what nice people.
tearing sound. Munch, munch. Will Nick ever find true love? Didn't we already do a story about that last year? Boy, I sure have missed this bit. Did you know I was promised a lead part in one of those big radio play productions? But why would we bother starting work on one of those when we can have another excitingly repetitive episode of Nick and Willikins? I really need to find a better agent. Today's episode of Sarcastic Voyage has been brought to you by Breaking Bad Spoilers. Breaking Bad Spoilers. We will tell you everyone that gets arrested and killed. <laughs> Breaking Bad Spoilers. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm just going to put a very long bleep over that. <laughs> we have a letter here, Matt. Oh, how nice for us. From uh, Mrs. Brewtown, Brewtown ah. Marissa. Uh, your voice is going higher again. What is Apparently that? Apparently my that? voice can go higher. Every every time every time I think we've reached the height of your voice, it goes a little high. Oh, I don't believe it. I can't see. I can't. Ah. Yeah. Very strange. Um, uh. She says. All right. Ah, is that the, uh, the Zeppelin the song? Come the ice and snow. Yeah. The Zeppelin song that sounds very much like, um, somebody, po- oh, uh, my, my friend Mark pointed this out to me, that, ah, sounds almost, it's almost exactly the same tune as the, uh, Get Smart theme. da 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 Yep. Like, someone should do a mashup, because those two sound very, that very sounds similar. awesome. Yeah. Also, I love Get Smart. Yeah, it's pretty great. Sorry about that, Chief. Sorry about that, Chief. Um, little, little Paul Lind there, Muffin. Well, it's not great. Yeah. So Marissa says, mm-hmm. may have had to stifle laughter at work when the following headline caught my eye. Uh, re-Sarcastic Voyage 57, whichever Andrew was on talking about the clown people. Ooh. Okay, that's going way back. That's that, way the fuck back. That's going, uh, when our pal Brewtown Andy was on and we talked about, uh, the, uh, the, the pelican eating cell phone. <laughs> Oh my god! I remember this because I I remember the cover art is one of our better cover arts. Yes, our, our, our pal Lynn did. Uh, Paul Lynn. Jessica Simpson with a pelican eating a cell phone and something's eating the. Pe- I don't remember. <clears throat> anyway, the headline says "Turducken of the Sea." Ah, uh, yes. Which was the turn of phrase that we came up with to describe that whole elaborate thing? Yep. That phrase also appeared in a Tick comic. Yes, it did. Not long after that episode. And I got the wonderful response from writer Benito Serino, who said, well, I've never listened to anything you've done. <laughs> That's nice, dude. Thanks thank- for thanks for saying it like that. Thank- thanks, Benito. Yeah. Really, really appreciate it. Still like it. your Invincible comics. Yeah, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a good writer. Yep. But, uh, that wasn't a very nice thing to say. Maybe he could write, an, write us an apology. <laughs> Maybe that's not going to happen. How about that, writer? Write it up, writer. <laughs> Our website, as always, sarcasticvoyage.com. If you want to write to us like the lovely Marissa did, you can do that. It is sarcasticvoyage at gmail. Please do that. We like answering your mail in this last segment. Yeah. And, we uh, like a mail once and again. Yes. I mean, you know, male, female, whatever. Yeah. They're 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 all the same when you... Uh, whatever other options you might happen to have. Yes. We are we are open to all of them. Yeah. Send us, send us your transsexuals, your transgenders, your transformers. Your huddled masses yearning to be free. All right, folks. We are now going to wish you safe journeys. This episode of the Sarcastic Voyage podcast starred Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. 
with Vishal Baradwaj, Mark Bosco, Dave Fields, Kimberly Lajeunesse, and Jason Wallace. It was written by Ron Algar-Watt with Jason Wallace. It was produced by Algar Productions, copyright 2013. And now it's time for Sketch Comedy 101. Welcome back to Sketch Comedy 101. Today's lesson covers marketing your sketch comedy podcast. Let's say you've followed all our other steps and you're ready to release your show into the wilds of the internet. And you want people to hear the results of all your hard work. Here are a few ways to reach those people. Create a hive mind. Kill Kevin Smith and don his ceremonial hockey jorts. Kidnap someone and mention the show in the ransom note and or the ensuing teary confessional interview. Get a boat. Do whatever the hell the Night Vale podcast is doing. No, I'm not bitter. Why do you ask? Go back in time and convince Tesla that podcasting is the next big thing. Then Edison will steal it and make it the next big thing. Turn your podcast into a white dwarf. Then exceed the Shangra Sekhar limit, incinerating all other internet media. Except Judge John Hodgman. Win a Peabody. Reprogram the conditions of the simulation. Employ famous daguerreotype artist Jorge de la Croix de Orves. Pander to your highly intelligent, svelte audience. Hey, Al, what's going on? Oh, hello, co-host Matt Robotham. I was just telling the people here how to successfully market a comedy podcast. Why don't you offer one of your suggestions? Why don't you slap a fucking TARDIS on it? Can I go play video games now? <laughs>